From our studios in New York, Chicago, and London, this is a Rail Group on Air special podcast series The Coronavirus and the Rail Industry. This is Railway Age editor in chief William C. Vantuono. Our podcast sponsor is the Greenbrier Companies, which offers an innovative new way for rail car customers to inspect build quality, virtual sample rail car, which remotely brings you into the Greenbrier plant from the convenience of your own conference room or home office. Virtual sample rail car, or VSR, provides full access to a sample rail car while significantly reducing travel time and cost. It gives all the information needed to determine that your rail cars meet all specifications and will be delivered as ordered. Narrated high-resolution video follows the complete build of your sample rail car with tools like high-resolution photos and 360-degree views, concluding with a live stream inspection from the plant's buy-off area. A process that normally takes three or more days is reduced to just one hour. Check out VSR at go.gbrx.com virtual. My guests are Pat Ottensmeyer, President and Chief Executive Officer of Kansas City Southern and Railway Age's 2020 Railroader of the Year, and Jeff Songer, Kansas City Southern Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, and Chairman of the Association of American Railroads Safety and Operations Management Committee, or SOMSI. Pat and Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome. Thanks, Bill. Um, Thanks, Bill. You're very welcome. Uh, so, so Pat, uh, it was uh, just about three weeks ago that we were all gathered in Chicago uh, to, to honor you as Railroader of the Year, and I'd have to say uh, uh, in, that, in the past three weeks, uh, the world... <laughs> is a very different place. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to put it into words. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think uh, what we see, the railroads are really, and the employees are really responding to this, uh, this challenge. Uh, I'll, I'll start with a, uh, with a comment that uh, the Federal Railroad Administrator, Ron Vittori, made to me. He said, the employees are out there, they're doing their jobs, they're taking care of each other, and they're taking care of themselves. How's, how, how's it going at Kansas City Southern? What's, what's happening out there? Bill, thanks again, and, uh, and thanks for the reminder of that wonderful event in uh, just three weeks ago in Chicago. It seems like a lifetime ago, given all that has changed. And if you remember uh, the day after that uh, the ceremony, uh, in Chicago, a wonderful dinner, a wonderful event that you, uh, that you hosted uh, was the day that the World Health Organization officially declared the coronavirus a global pandemic. And then we started to see the world change quite rapidly in terms of um, guidance and mandates and restrictions coming from cities, counties, states, governments, uh, trying to slow things down, create distance, slow down uh, the spread of the virus, which had the effect of uh, close, uh, cl uh, slowing down the economy. And then it's been a bit of a whirlwind uh, since that point. So uh, what we have done, um, we tried to get uh, on top of things uh, as quickly as possible, respond to the guidances that we were seeing from cities, counties, states, uh, regulators, 
to do what was being asked of us in terms of uh, uh, social distancing to stop the spread of the virus, but also to assure our uh, continuity of our business operations. Started communicating with our employees, uh, notifying them of changes that uh, that we were in, you know, instituting and changes that we we're making. And I've been clear um, as, as we we really uh, developed our response and our communication with employees, both management employees and union employees, that uh, we had two top priority, two objectives that were more important than any others, and that those two were to uh, protect the health and well-being of our employees, and then secondly, to assure continuity of our business operations. So everything that we did from the point that uh, we really knew that we had to do something or were being asked to do something different was with those two objectives in mind. Um, and uh, we started out with um, uh, separation, um, uh, sort of platooning uh, employees in certain, uh, in certain jobs and certain functions. Uh, best example would be our dispatchers in the network operations center, both in Kansas City and in Monterey. And uh, I'll ask Jeff to talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in a minute. But um, I would say that our, our response from our employees has been phenomenal. Uh, they, uh, they, you know, we've had just a, an incredible response in terms of the, the, the attitude, the way our employees have responded very quickly to the changes in, in the way we are doing things, giving us uh, valuable feedback and information about what we need to be doing setting up mechanisms internally to be able to respond to um, questions about health, uh, questions that were coming to our field managers with employees who were reporting symptoms or other conditions that uh, they needed guidance to advise those employees what to do, whether to come to work, whether to stay home, if you stay home, how long. We started uh, very quickly after this became a pandemic a daily call with our entire executive management team that, uh, and, and in, including others who are critical to our business continuity and field operations. So those calls started out, uh, again, I uh, can't remember exactly how many days after the uh, pandemic uh, declaration, but um, um, it wasn't uncommon for those calls to, at the, at the beginning, to last an hour and a half or longer as we were just seeing a, a, a flood of new information from, again, states, counties, municipalities, regulators, federal governments, uh, how to process it, how to, how to implement it, and how to communicate to our employees. And I'm happy to report that here we are three weeks later, we still have that daily touch point with our executive team and, and others who are, again, leading our business continuity efforts Today's call was less than 30 minutes. So I think <clears throat> what I communicated to our employees earlier in a, in a town hall meeting, it feels like we have reached a steady state um, or at least a, a calmer state in terms of the frequency of new information coming at us from cities, states, counties, 
federal governments, regulatory agencies, uh, and maybe a, a, a bit of a calmer state here going forward. I, I don't want to refer to it as a new normal because I hope we get back to normal at some point, but uh, at least a steady state in terms of the rate of new guidances and, uh, and new restrictions that are coming at us from all different levels. Okay, so, so Jeff, uh, if you could uh, give us an idea of the types of uh, things that uh, you as uh, Chief Operating Officer and your team have been implementing at uh, various uh, locations, uh, field locations, dispatching centers, and of course you operate on both sides of the border. Sure, sure Bill, I'll, uh, I'll maybe pick up where, where, where Pat left off there with uh, first and foremost our, our dispatch center. You know, you know, I, I think early on uh, in the pandemic, I think we took a, a very conservative approach, uh, you know, favoring the side and the safety and the health of our workers. I think at the time that initial CDC guidance was a 14-day self-quarantine period, and and we took that to heart uh, really at the start and, and really encouraged employees if they were experiencing any symptoms, uh, stay at home. And, and I think that that's helped us uh, kind of mitigate thus far, you know, as, as we stand today, we, we do not have any confirmed cases of coronavirus, which, which is good to say. That's, that's uh, wonderful. We do have several, yeah, we, we do have several under self-quarantine, but, but even over the, as the time has elapsed here, uh, several have, have been cleared by doctors, have returned to work. So, uh, you know, I think early on acknowledging this and the approach we, 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 we have taken has thus far provided some benefit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly from an operating view, one, one of our critical features among many, uh, but it certainly is our, our network dispatch center from a you know, business continuity and also from a, from a closer working quarters. You know, these, these uh, workers are uh, in office type environments uh, and you know, in close conjunction with their peers. Mm -hmm. uh, so we you know, typically operate out of, out of one center in Kansas City and we have a small presence on our joint uh, operations there in Spring, Texas. Uh, we actually expanded that. So we're actually now operating in the US out of three different centers uh, trying to to adhere to CDC creates create that uh, separation for for our employees. Uh, we've since started also uh, recently taking temperatures of them those employees as they come on duty. Um, similar to how we operate in Mexico, uh, we've now split that dispatch center up in in two locations in Monterey uh, to again to to just try to do everything we can to to create the separation. Uh, to ensure our, our employees have the safest working environment. With modern uh, uh, dispatching, uh, traffic control technology, you can have, uh, you can dispatch the railroad out of any any one of those locations, uh, I, I assume. And so this way, if you have multiple operating centers, you can spread people, uh, you can spread people out a bit. Yeah, that, that's correct. That's exactly right. You know, we're trying to separate, you know, we operate in consoles. Uh, so mm -hmm. certain consoles have, have different sections of our railroad bill. I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. Um, and so we've, we've separated both, you know, personnel, we've separated consoles. We do have the ability to toggle off and on, if you will, what, what areas are controlled out of those centers. So it gives us a lot of flexibility on how we want to and, and how we need to maintain our railroad. Uh, like I said, in, in both both sides of the border, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, 
you related to more field operations, certain, you know, certainly early on uh, expanding uh, cleaning of facilities, cleaning of locomotive cabs. Um, yesterday, you know, this is a day-by-day -day, uh, operation. Yesterday, one of our cities that we operate in, city of Laredo, Texas, announced uh, a requirement to wear face masks when you're entering public buildings and facilities. So, you know, we've already addressed that. Uh, we've been able to secure source of supply for face masks, and we've, we've got those or have those available for our employees uh, as they're needed, anticipating as we learn. We learn what's going on, and you see you see different uh, uh, actions going on in different cities, different states. And we're starting to anticipate these things, so we may see it in Laredo, Texas today. We may see that in somewhere else around our network tomorrow. So, doing the best we can to secure sources of supply for those types of uh, uh, health equipment, health-related equipment, uh, cleansing materials. That's one big thing we continue to hear about. Uh, and continue to provide for our local facilities and, and local crews. So a lot going on, uh, as you say, centering around separation uh, and, and also cleanliness, cleanliness, cleanliness of the workplace. From what you're telling me, uh, uh, Jeff and Pat, uh, typical of a railroad, of any, uh, most railroads, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're one step ahead of, uh, of of everybody else, uh, that's just how uh, that that's sort of it seems to be ingrained in a in our culture, and that's uh, in a situation like this, that's really to to our advantage. Well, would you agree? I think so. I mean, you know, it's um, we understand the importance of the role we play in the economy, and uh, you know, in some cases, we have an obligation to do this. But uh, this was uh, a, a good. Uh, exercise it was it was good validation uh, for us that uh, uh, some of the business continuity uh, um, strategies processes that we put in place when we needed them not just for testing purposes but for actually functioning and running the the company worked pretty pretty well and we've had very limited uh, experiences or, or situations, examples of where we've had difficulty with this uh, that, that weren't pretty easily worked through. So and what, what we didn't ever really contemplate as part of a business continuity and, and, uh, and test on a regular basis was uh, this notion of um, all of our workforce that is able to work from home doing so in the period of uh, less than 10 days or, or a week or so uh, between the time we realized that, uh, that this was a more serious situation than maybe we did initially to the time that uh, we were instructing all management employees who could work from home to do so. And now that uh, instruction is uh, for an unlimited period of time, literally until further notice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because each of the cities and states and countries that we operate in have slightly different expirations of those uh, shelter in place or work from home guidelines. So our, our initial guidance to employees was to, which was about two weeks ago, if you can work from home, do so until today, April 3rd. Now, obviously, um, things uh, are not safe and not ready to return to normal in terms of the workplace. 
and uh, we have probably three or four different expiration dates uh, from different uh, cities or, or government entities. Uh, the most common uh, expiration of some of these uh, guidances is the end of April. Uh, but we didn't want to be in conflict with any of the cities or states that we operate in. So our guidance today is if you are able to work from home, do so until notified otherwise, until further notice, uh, because we don't want to be in conflict of any of those other guidances. And you have a lot of information uh, coming in from uh, from all sides, and uh, a lot, lot. Sometimes it's uh, uh, conflicting information, not 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 within the railroad, uh, not within the industry, but uh, just probably from from government or. Because uh, you know, as railroads, uh, you as railroads, we we operate in uh, multi-state. In Kansas City Southern's case, of course, you operate in, in two countries. So that's a lot of information to uh, to process. A lot of information to uh, reconcile. I guess was is the word I'm looking for. It is, and and uh, that's why we started this process of these daily calls because. Uh, uh, we thought that was uh, the best way to, you know, get our executive team, our entire executive management team, focused on this at the same time. And a good example uh, that affected us, I mean, we had, to, we had to understand it. We had to give information to our managers and our employees how to deal with it was uh, uh, when the state of Texas, and you saw a couple of other states do this, in an effort to um, um, slow down the spread of the of the virus and the disease, uh, began to put restrictions on people from other states coming in. Well, we have a lot of employees who cross back and forth between Texas and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So we had to get our employees who were affected, uh, give them guidance, give them advice, or give, give them instructions what did they need to do if it was documentation? Uh, what did they need to do for themselves or for their employees to be able to function uh, in, in a normal course when these new guidelines were popping up uh, every day for a period of time? So I think the, the system that we put in place, the communication, the way we were collecting and disseminating information with the most important outcome here, really, the objective was to give our, uh, and include Mexico in this mix, give our roughly 7,000 employees across uh, two countries, two languages, two cultures, both which were dealing with the situation much differently, useful, timely information that they could then manage their employees keep things running as uh, quickly and, and efficiently as possible as the landscape was changing literally every day. Uh, Jeff, I understand that, uh, of course, the, the railroads are considered essential. Uh, well, we've known that for, for generations, but now it's, a, now it's official under, the, under these circumstances. Uh, uh, the railroads are, are essential, the employees are essential, and uh, uh, they are exempt from uh, restrictions, travel restrictions related to what Pat was talking about, that you've got to go from state to state, uh, uh, for example. Is, I understand there is, uh, there is some sort of a, uh, a documentation that they can carry in case they are questioned. 
Yeah, that's that's correct, Bill. So one of the another thing we we've done um, similar to how we have functioned in other uh, issues we've had as an industry, such as hurricanes, you know, where we may have certain states or areas quarantined off. Uh, you know, the railroads need need to continue to operate. We need to continue to uh, carry critical goods and, and materials necessary for you know, the welfare of the country. That that we need the ability to cross uh, certain lines, if you, if you will. So, you know, m more recently, we did see between the states of Texas and Louisiana, uh, that type of language language go into effect. Um, the AAR, you know, our representation has done a, a good job and, and has, you know, jumped on that early on to, to provide some language and documentation outlining the the essential nature of the railroad and, and the industry. And so, uh, you know, our, our employees literally carry these with them, either in their pocket, in their, in their glove boxes. Um, and fortunately, we haven't had to show, show, show many of these letters, uh, but I know we have had certain, certain uh, circumstances where our employees have uh, been requested to produce uh, kind of document that they are working for a railroad and essential industry. Uh, and they're able to, to get on, get on to, to, to their job. Um, so again, they, you know, I think AARs in support and the industry support during this time is, is, is really worth, worth noting. That's a great example you provided. I'm, um, I'm getting the, the sense uh, from a lot, of, uh, a lot of carriers, including, including Kansas City Southern, uh, that the level of motivation uh, under these circumstances is is quite strong. They're going above and beyond, uh, as is what I've heard from many different circles, many different people in the industry. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I mean, we certainly see it in in our in our workforces. That that's you know U.S. and and Mexico. I hear it from my peers uh, around the industry, and and you can see you know as as we've illustrated, uh, we have remained. Uh, relatively fluid and you know our trains are, are out there running and that's due to kind of the over and above nature of our, our employees and coming to work every day um, you know making sure we're, we're staying focused making sure we're staying safe but but executing you know, and, and, and executing for, for the behalf of our our shippers for our customers and, and for the employees themselves I think that is a really good point and a good you know there's there's a We've heard this uh, from employees, from people in the field that uh, are sharing some of the stories, and we're trying to highlight those stories actually on our on our website and through other communication means. Just uh, how important we are to the economies, the countries, the communities that we serve, and um, and how important it is is it, it is for us. Uh, kind of getting back to those two objectives that I mentioned earlier. Objective number one, uh, the health and well-being of our employees. Objective number two, assure the continuity of our business operations. <clears throat> and um, uh, I think it's a great source of pride uh, for our employees and, you know, in some of these particularly uh, remote areas that uh, uh, communities that are being heavily impacted and in some cases devastated because of uh, a local plant shutdown or uh, you know, the small the impact on small businesses that they're seeing uh, across across our network across the country across Mexico and uh, to feel that um, 
the service that we provide is essential to keep those businesses running, keep those people employed where we can, and, uh, and keep the, the economies and the communities that we serve uh, vibrant. Uh, I think our employees really feel uh, proud to be part of that, and they feel an obligation to provide that service. As an industry, we try our best to deliver that message to to whoever will listen, whether it's the public, whether it's uh, our legislative bodies, whether it's regulators. But now it's it's it goes beyond saying it. Where I mean, obviously, we've been doing it all along, but but now people are. I think people are really are really noticing that. Yeah, exactly, and and just the uh, the importance. Uh, of uh, again the service that we provide for the supply chain delivering critical raw materials to keep things moving if you look at our business and i know we're not uh kind of in the quiet period here at the at the end of the quarter so we won't talk a lot about business and business conditions but we have definitely seen aspects of our business uh, that you wouldn't be surprised to hear <clears throat> paper uh, some other uh, chemicals aspects of our business that uh, uh, have continued to be strong because of the demand for certain products and, and supply, uh, paper products, chemical cleaning products, those types of things. So, you know, our, our railroad, our service is essential to uh, complete those supply chains and keep those products moving. Um, other aspects of our business, uh, you know, have been affected negatively. But I think the, uh, the fact is that uh, we play a different role than truck, certainly, but we play a very important role in keeping those supply chains flowing, keeping people in jobs. Our purpose, among other things, is to make a meaningful contribution to the economic growth and prosperity of the nations and communities we serve. This is a great time, a great environment, a great set of circumstances to really bring that statement to life. And I think uh, our employees are, are really seeing that connection to what they do on a day-to-day -day basis and how it uh, fits into the importance of those supply chains continuing to flow uh, in, uh, in our countries. Jeff, uh, I wanted to uh, have you talk a bit about uh, the, what's, what's happening on the uh, national level, uh, you as uh, SOMC, uh, Safety Op and Operations and Management Committee uh, at the AAR chair, uh, there is a lot of coordination uh, among among the railroads. Uh, uh, I understand that uh, that every day there is a uh, a call, uh, a conference call with all the chief operating officers, and that involves, I believe, the Federal Railroad Administration. Uh, can you can you uh, share some details about uh, about that? Sure, sure, Bill, and that, that is a great topic to acknowledge. Um, two weeks ago, the FRA, uh, under the leadership of Administrator Batori, uh, set up daily calls with, with the chief operating officers of the railroads, uh, short-line representation, uh, members of his staff, and also uh, all three members of the Service Transportation Board, uh, just to hear what's going on. And, you know, I for me, that was a great outreach by the FRA to proactively, you know, want to engage in conversation and daily conversation, you know, basically just asking what they could do to support. Uh, also keeping tabs on what we are seeing as, as an industry. So 
Uh, you're correct. We are we are on the on the call daily here. It doesn't last too long. I think the, the railroads provide general updates, but it's also a good forum for for sharing and sharing best practices. Uh, Bill, I think you're you're very aware of kind of some of the regulatory relief and waiver requests that uh, the the uh, AAR and the industry had had asked for that the FRA uh, very timely uh, was able to turn around for us. You know, so what that action is going to enable us to do should we encounter you know severe work workforce shortages, uh, but also to facilitate some of the social distancing. Now, I've got a couple examples you could talk about on. Uh, you know, we call we call them maybe quick tie-ups. So so you're not requiring crews to go inside terminals and interact in larger groups. You know, can we do quick tie-ups? Can we do these things via radio? Can we do some check rides or certifications uh, more el electronically instead of introducing a third member into a cab? So I think some of the things that are already granted uh, are certainly going to provide that and help the industry kind of manage through, minimize certainly exposures for our workforce, but also be able to react and continue to provide the, you know, the services as we've talked about here, uh, should we should we have uh, work, work uh, shortages in, in any particular areas. So, um, you know, another good comment I heard just, just this week from representation of the STB, uh, Billy, I'm sure you're familiar with the RSTAC committee. Yes. Uh, Railroad Shipper Advisory Council um and it seems like the communication between the railroads and also the shippers is extremely healthy right now i heard that myself from from the stb representatives uh who certainly participate in those meetings but it seems like the dialogues between the industry uh, and our customers and our shippers is, is remains very healthy now and i think there's acknowledgement on both ends you know we're, we're both having to to bend we're both having to adopt uh, our services and the services we provide but it seems like there's there's a lot of good spirit uh, in, in, in working together uh, to make sure we're able to provide the best services and continue to operate as, as we need to. Well I go as far as to say uh, the, the mantra there is we're all in this together we're all in this together. I think if the news media would like to uh, I would like to see how we're all in this together and how we're doing it just just go and talk to a railroad. So in, in terms of um, changing how you uh, are adapting to this situation with, with how you do things, uh, there, there, there are activities that uh, you've, you've, we've talk, you've talked about some of them uh, uh, that normally involve uh, groups of people getting together. A safety briefing. Uh, if a, if a, track, uh, a track crew is going out on the job to re replace a switch or do whatever, there's got to be a safety briefing. Uh, how, how do you handle those, those sorts of things? Those are essential. Six feet apart, Bill, right? Six feet apart. Okay. Um, no, you know, there's, you're, that's, a, that's another great topic, you know, area we talked about early on, you know, trying to identify those particular issue, issues, you know, what you're describing are, are track work gangs that work to replace rail or ties around our network. And, you know, our particular gangs are 40 to 50 person crews. Um, and so we have had to make some, some, some changes. Certainly you're not, you're going to continue to do the job briefings, as you say, but we're keeping distances. We're doing those in smaller groups. Um, you know, how we get to and from work with those, with those, with those workers, such as, you know, we, we historically take buses. Well, we've, we've, 
split those workers up and those crews up and how we transport to and from work sites has changed and uh, I think the same things for our for our work crews and and you know just how we transport people around to get to the job instead mm -hmm. of having 10, per, 10, 10, 10 workers in a bus you know we're, we're splitting those up and, and we've got groups of uh, four or five and so you know I think acknowledging all those areas where that type of uh, interaction is needed and what we can do to to minimize uh, again the, the potential exposure for for our workers uh, you know we're also taking some advice from our workers we've got a lot of good suggestions on on things and how we look at how we operate on a day-to-day -day basis that uh, we've implemented implemented some of those actions as well well and uh, what are some of those uh, suggestions you you've, you've implemented you know some of the you know as I was mentioning earlier maybe as part of the the, the waiver uh, issues, you know, how do we communicate differently as opposed to, you know, safety briefings going into a centralized uh, uh, depot, if you will, at the beginning of the day? Can we do those remotely? Can we do those in, in, in separate groups? Uh, getting the managers out and about a, a little more, you know, maybe that's requiring and demanding a little more from, from our managers to uh, say make the rounds, if you will, but, you know, change how we start the work day. Um, you know, one of the things we heard uh, for a while was, you know, can we take temperatures? You know, if, if I'm coming into the, the workforce, we've implemented that now in Shreveport, uh, where as we enter into to the buildings or into the gate for our for our terminal, uh, we've got some screeners there, some medical screeners there now taking temperatures of our workforce. You know, for us, that's where we have uh, our main locomotive repair shops, our main car shops in the U.S. Uh, and the density of workers in those locations just lend itself probably to, to some of these additional precautions that we're taking mm -hmm. uh, that we might not have to necessarily take around our entire network, uh, but recognizing and, and taking, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, responses from our workers and things that they would like to see, we, we've fortunately been able to, to enact some of those things. So, Pat, I would say uh, uh, under, under the circumstances, under these uh, extraordinary circumstances, uh, th things are, are, are running as smooth as they can be. And um, uh, I, see, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of initiative here, a lot of, a lot of flexibility, a lot of, but mainly I see a lot of care, a lot of genuine care for, uh, for your people and, uh, and, and their families too, I would imagine. You know, I think uh, I, I, I'm, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think that was our our position uh, in as we, you know, the executive team. We really started to try to figure out how to deal with this. Um, <clears throat> a focus on being humane and concerned for our employees, uh, genuine concern. Um, we've, yeah, we've got a business and we've got shareholders and we've got earnings calls and all of that, but, uh, this is different than anything most of us on the planet today have ever dealt with. So let's focus on the things that matter the most, which is the health and well-being of our employees and the, uh, business, you know, continuity of our core business operations and nothing else that we have on our on our agenda right now is higher than number three. Uh, if we do that in the short term, we'll be in great position longer term to get through this and get through this well. 
and uh, and being you know being good position to uh, to do our jobs and serve our customers and and uh, help our communities um, for for the long haul. I am really just extremely proud of the way you know the executive team on down. We've asked people to do things a lot differently. We've thrown new way of uh, functioning, um, new way of communicating, how to help people get set up to work from home, how to be uh, patient and tolerant of children screaming and dogs barking and all those kinds of things that uh, are just going to happen under this circumstance. And one of the things that I also uh, haven't uh, mentioned here uh, previously, but when I talk about the the health and well-being of our employees that includes mental health because this is a very stressful time um, everybody's being asked to do something that maybe they're not comfortable with or they haven't done before there's a fine line i think uh in, in a lot of people's uh minds when you say go home even though you're still expected to do your job and you don't have a job so trying to do what we can to be honest with people, to let them know that, you know, this is just a new way of, 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 of functioning, a new way of uh, doing their job. They're still expected to do their job, but uh, just do it differently, but give them some, give them whatever assurance we can that this doesn't mean that uh, there, that there are massive layoffs or reductions in force around the corner. We made a decision as an executive team uh, with our management employees to continue uh, ahead with our normal merit salary increase process as planned. So we didn't uh, step in and say no merit increases this year. We haven't taken away 401k matches. We haven't done any of that. Um, again, in our communication with our management employees, I haven't uh, told them that those things aren't possible or those things might not be coming, uh, but at this moment, we're not doing those things. We've also made an effort to kind of redouble our, our support on things like the employee assistance of uh, 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 800 numbers and assistance programs, because you know we, we are conscious of the fact that this is not just the physical health and well-being, this is going to affect the mental health and well-being of, of a number of our employees as well. We want to acknowledge that. We want to tell them that we are trying to be uh, supportive and we're there to, to help them with, uh, with certain resources because uh, I think that's, uh, that's bound to happen. Who knows, who knows how long this is going to last? Um, and we're all sort of in this period, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the first week or two felt really uncomfortable. It was hard to get things done. Now I feel like I'm kind of getting into a pattern where uh, every day makes a little bit more sense than the day before. I feel a little bit more comfortable about my ability to, to function and, and get things done. But if this lasts for three or four or five months, it's gonna, it's gonna wear us all down. Most definitely, yeah. Well. We hope that uh, that that will not be the case. Uh, we uh, uh, and I've, I've, as I've said to other people, you know, there uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and for our industry, we hope that that light is a is an oncoming locomotive, <laughs> an oncoming train. Uh, 
Well, we just hope that there's a nice long siding in that tunnel so that yes. they can pass each other safely, huh? Right, right. And we hope, uh, we hope, we hope those trains are uh, are, are long and and filled uh, filled with uh, the goods that uh, that people need. I think in closing, I'd just like to reiterate how you know proud and pleased not you know, me and the executive management team of the company are with the way people are responding. Uh, you also saw, Bill, I shared with you a couple of the uh, communications that we've sent to employees reminding people of our core values and uh, things like uh, respect and dignity and communication and teamwork, uh, really going out of my way to reinforce those values because uh, you know, like I said, everybody, everybody in the company is being pushed to a level of discomfort. Uh, they're taken out of their comfort zone. They're being asked to do things differently. It's going to take a while to feel like they're kind of back in equilibrium. So I, I really felt it was important to remind people of the core values and, uh, and, and tell them that uh, we need to continue to behave in accordance with those values, treat each other that way, expect to be treated that way. Uh, and um, uh, I think that uh, hopefully has, uh, has had an impact on, uh, you know, giving people some, some guidance that's been useful and comforting as to, uh, how, to, how, to how to think about this environment and, uh, and continue to work very well and very effectively together. I, I probably would would want to just recognize preservation. I, you know, this is, we know this is a tough industry. Our, our workforce day in, day out, um, and kind of gives, gives their all, uh, more recently it's been hurricanes and weather events and other types of challenges. This is just a, a different challenge. Uh, but I have no, I, no, no doubt in my mind that, that the workforce in the industry will step up and get through this and, and will be stronger probably for it. Well, Pat uh, and Jeff, I'd like to thank you both for uh, for joining me uh, for this for this uh, podcast. Uh, you both are extremely busy. Uh, thank you for taking taking the time to address this. I think uh, these are the sorts of things that uh, people are uh, in our industry need to hear. And uh, I wish you the best of health uh, and uh, stay safe out there. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. You're very welcome. That's it for this special edition of Rail Group On Air. Thank you to Pat Ottensmeyer, Jeff Songer, Kansas City Southern, and to our sponsor, the Greenbrier Companies. Be sure to check out Virtual Sample Railcar, VSR, at go.gbrx.com virtual. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Have a safe day. Thank you.